Good morning. Um, it's a good day. God's good. I want to make a quick announcement because I have forgotten about six or eight times. And I have reminded people to remind me and they forgot. So I remembered and wrote it down. Sometimes in the month of May, we're going to have a baptism. Had several people say I felt like they were, wanted to get baptized. So uh, we don't have a baptistry as such, but we have a swimming pool. Uh, right now, it'd be a little chilly. So we're just going to let it warm up a little bit. And uh, so if you're interested in being baptized, uh, just let us know or just show up on the day that we have it, and uh, we'll accommodate you, okay? We're just going to watch. It's Paul's pool, and so we're just kind of waiting for it to warm up, and when it is, we'll let everybody know that it's uh, doable. Uh, The twins got baptized in a stock tank at their church, and uh, it was still cold on the inside, so I can't imagine what it's like outside. All right, take your Bible and turn with me to 1 John. Uh, We've been in preparation for addressing the issues of relationships and what mature relationships look like, what God wants to do in our life in terms of relationships. And uh, 1 John starts off with this wonderful, lofty, we call vertical expression having his relationship with the Lord and uh, talks about how that he touched the word of life and uh, that life was manifested, that eternal life was with the Father and how that he has fellowship with the Father and with the Son and he's inviting us to have fellowship with the Father and the Son. And then all of a sudden, it goes sideways. He shifts from this vertical relationship into these horizontal relationships, okay? And I just want to read some verses out of 1 John that paint this picture, all right? 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, Jeremy alluded to that this morning. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness. Well, that's pretty clear, isn't it? The one who says he hates his brother He's not in the light, but he's in the darkness. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Chapter 3, in verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Well, that's pretty strong, isn't it? We know that we have passed out of death into life. How do we know that? How do we know that we've passed out of death into life? He says, because we love the brethren. 
He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has entered as eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We talked about this verse last time. We read the first part and we think he laid down his life for us, so we should lay down our life for him. And he goes sideways on us and says, because he laid down his life for us, we lay down our lives for the brethren. I look in chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. In chapter 5, verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the father loves the child born in him. Boy, had no idea that my relationship with the father was so born out in my relationship with loving each other and in my relationship with them. And it's interesting, you know, before we let the law set in and we, you know, begin to describe who brother is, he doesn't qualify who the brother is. When he uses the term brethren, he doesn't qualify that. It can be the word, that word that's used there in the Greek refers to several different things. It's a male child of the same mother. That's a brother. But he also refers to brothers as people of the same nation, nationality. They're our brothers. He also uses the phrase when he talks about any man or mankind as a whole, brothers. Talks about the same word when he says he is our neighbor. So there's no distinction. It includes everyone. Jesus described it even more detail in Luke chapter 6. I want to read this to you here. This is pretty interesting. Luke chapter 6. He says in verse 27, But I say to you here, love your enemies, all men. Now we've gone from brothers to enemies. We've gone from somebody where we have something in common. We've gone to somebody that we share a mother or a father or a family relationship with, or maybe we share a church with, to now he says, it's broader. Love your enemies. Do good. Okay, I can love them at a distance. He says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those 
who mistreats you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, don't withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Man, he's getting ridiculous. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Not treat others the same way they treat you. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. He didn't say, well, they treated me this way, so I'm going to treat them that way. He said, no, did you want to be treated that way? Well, no. Well, then why are you treating them the way you didn't want to be treated? Boy, he just gets way too detailed here. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Or even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. That's bad business. I heard all my life growing up, there's church and then there's business. And men would do things in their business that they would never allow to get away with in church. There's not two separate worlds. There's only the world. And we live the same in both as an expression of God's character expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. and You will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. You can see how these horizontal relationships can be quite difficult. I mean, he just, he just it's just clear. It's not vague, it's not hidden, it's not a parable, it's just, here it is. Now, what I want to share with you this morning, I want to be very clear with you about something, because uh, relationship has been a strong message from me since, ever since I've been here. But I want to remind you of something that I have said to you all along the way. It's not my strength. Relationships are not my strength. I don't op- it's not a natural expression and operation for me to function in relationships. I'm not some relational guide, some expert who has it all together, or some relationship guru sitting on a pedestal handing down pearls of wisdom to the lessers. I'm a fellow struggler trying to live this out in my life as I encourage you 
to live it out in yours. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. Actually, I was a late comer to this dance. This dance of valuing relationships that God has called us to. See, I I thought I was the only one that didn't value relationships. And so whenever God began to strike my heart about not valuing them, not making them important, and it kind of the lights came on, I thought, well, everybody values relationship but me. And imagine how surprised I was when people were struggling with relationships just like I was and having difficulty and maybe didn't even know what was involved in those relationships. Little did I know that everyone was having a difficulty navigating relationships. And to my surprise, most like me had never even given much consideration to how to be an expression of God's character in relationships. I really thought I was just the odd duck out. Come to find out, not everyone is eager to embrace that concept. I had the same surprise whenever the revelations about church came out. thought everybody wanted to touch the Lord and hear the Lord and be intimate with the Lord and share what God had given them. And found out that wasn't true either. But after 37 years of trying to value people in relationships, I still struggle with extending to every person I meet the kind of respect and dignity and honor and love that the Father gives to them. And that's the calling on our life. And sometimes it's most difficult with the ones closest to me to demonstrate that, to share that. So we're in this together. It's not like I have all the answers. I probably have more questions than answers. There's a couple of things that I've learned. One is this. In relationship, like many other areas of life, we don't know what we don't know. We don't even know what we don't know. We usually operate out of what we know. I mean, that just makes common sense. You op- how can you operate out of what you don't know? You operate out of what you know. That being the case, when it comes to relationships, we typically fall back on the past in dealing with relationships in the present. Our experience in relationship in the past, good and bad, become the pattern that we operate from whenever we are dealing with relationships in the present. Why? That's all we know. We, we don't even know there's something else. I find that to be true with, with many in the ministry when you talk about church and what we do and, and what it looks like, and, and it, it, it just doesn't even compute because 
they have never considered that there's another way to experience church life except the way they've been doing. So I think it's important for us to get our mind around that. And as we enter this time where we look at relationships and deal with relationships and what mature relationships look like, I think it's important to approach it with the posture of, I don't know. I don't know. And add to that the possibility that even what I do know isn't true. See, that's the real test. Okay, show me something I don't know, but don't show me what I think I know is not true. That's where the rub comes in. How can I be wrong? How can this not be true? Well, there are things we don't know. And there's a whole lot we know that we're not practicing on top of that. But we approach it with the attitude of receiving, hoping for God to change my heart. When we choose to value relationships differently and ask the Father what that looks like, we realize we don't have to repeat the harmful choices and practices we have embraced from past relationships. When we come to the place in our life that we say, okay, Lord, you value relationships, I want to value relationships. You value people, I want to value people. It opens us up for the Father revealing to us as we ask him, show me, search. I've been in Psalms 139 this week, and it's very interesting. He starts at the very first of Psalms 139, says, I know everything about you. I know when you sit down, when you rise up. I know your thoughts even before four. And then the last verses say, search me, O God, and know my heart. I don't think he's, he just wrote, God knows everything about him. And I don't think he's now asking God to search him to know his heart. I think he's asking God, you search me that I can know my heart. Search me, O God. Let me know my heart. I think I know. I think I have it figured out. But some of the things I've embraced have been destructive in relationships in particular. Maybe there's another way. Maybe there's another view. Show me that. That usually won't happen unless we come to the place that we embrace and value relationships. We realize we don't have to repeat the harmful choices and practices we have embraced from past relationships. We can do something different. What I want to say to you this morning is you can do something different. We sang this morning, forever free, I'm not the same. Does that apply to relationships? Does that apply to the chains of behavior that cause me to act in a harmful way time and time and time again? Does that mean those chains are broken? Am I willing to embrace that there's something different? We sang this morning, all I want is you. Listen, you can't want all there is of him and not want all he wants. 
If I want all of him that there is, I must also embrace all that he wants. And he wants to express his glory through my relationships. And I must want that. I want that, Lord. Even if it means you working something different in me and me responding to people differently and dealing with situations differently. Christ has freed me from my past. I am not a product of my past. I am a product of what God has done in Christ. We can do something different. We don't have to make this relationship about me. Well, who am I going to make it about if it's not about me? How about Jesus? How about let's make it about him? And let's approach it from, Lord, what pleases you in this relationship? We don't have to take offense every time something is said that we don't agree with. We don't have to live in fear of abandonment. He is committed to us. Psalms 139 says he has his hand before he, he is before, he goes before us and behind us and his hand rests upon us. What a wonderful environment. He will never abandon me. I don't have to be critical, judgmental, pointing out everybody's flaws. He says he knows everything. Look what he said here. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. And God didn't say, I'm going to be kind to him, you criticize him. I'm going to be gracious to him, you judge him. He didn't give us that job. Our expression is to be what he is to people. Every one of us has wounds from past relationships. There's no exemptions. You've been alive longer than, I mean, 30 seconds when the first thing the doctor did, slap you on the butt. You can get offended. We all have wounds from past experiences. The question becomes, am I going to live out of the wound Christ has healed in me? Or am I going to live out of the wound that I'm keeping open and nursing? We've all been hurt. We've all been rejected. We've all been criticized. We all have wounds. We can decide to live out of the wounds that he's healed and not nurse the ones that are still open, but trust him as he heals that in me. If we make relationships and in turn people important, not because of what they can do for us, but because they are important to the Father, our relationships can be different. Our relationships can be different. I, I, I asked this question a while back, and it was it's kind of a trick question. Okay, you know, I mean, it was, it was tricky. And I asked the question, I said, ask the Lord, what does a healthy relationship look like? Now, that's a good question, but it's really not the question at hand. 
because a relationship requires two people. Only one of those people do I have any control over. Okay? So I really don't have control over whether this relationship is going to be healthy or not. What I have control over is, am I going to bring health to the relationship? Am I going to bring maturity to the relationship? Who's going to be the adult in this relationship? I'm making the hard choices. And so it's not so much about how can I create this atmosphere or do this thing or please people or whatever to get along with everybody. It's how can I bring what honors the Lord into this relationship? Because if you prioritize relationship, if you make that mistake and go ahead and value relationships, you're going to discover that you are the pursuer in your relationships a whole lot more than you are the pursuee. Okay? You're going to find that you are the one that pursues relationship because you value it, because you value people. And you're going to discover that you're going to be the one that pursues a whole lot more than people pursue you. And if you're waiting around to pursue others for them to pursue you, you're going to be disappointed. Because it's not valuable to everyone. And the question is not, is it valuable to everyone? The question is, is it valuable to me? I can't enter the relationship, any relationship, with what I can get out of it. The question at the end of the day is, have I brought an expression of Christ to this relationship? That's the only thing. I don't have control over how this person responds. I mean, Jesus didn't even have control over that. He came and was an absolute perfect expression of the Father. And they killed him. They killed him. They didn't want that. Not everybody wants a healthy relationship. The bigger question is, am I be willing to be the one that values relationship and values people, and my sole objective in this relationship is to honor the Father? Does that make any sense? Ain't that going to be fun? Any questions? Anyone? All right. I have knee surgery tomorrow. Pray for us. Pray for me. Pray for Joni that I'll be a good patient. All right. You're dismissed.